Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Mark chapter 11. We are continuing a study we have been doing for several weeks now. And uh, we've been teaching from the subject, the bait of Satan, speaking about the spirit of offense and um, asking the Lord to help us to evaluate our lives and our heart. And uh, I want to be saved. I want to make it in the end. I don't, I don't want to just come to church and go through the motions, but I want to make sure that my heart is right, that when my hands are lifted, they're holy hands. Amen. If you're a man in this house, the scripture says lifting up holy hands without wrath. That means we've got to do something about our temper. Amen. Without doubting, that means we have to do something about our faith. How many ill-tempered men do we have in the house? I need some ladies to help me today. How many ill-tempered men do we have in the house? Don't raise your hand, just point. <laughs> And so we have a lot of work. We have a lot of work to do. And so it's more than just repenting. It's more than just being baptized in his name for the remission of our sin. It's more than just uh, receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. That is, the, that is the ceremony. We're now walking away to become children of God, sons and daughters of God. And... Uh, I'll say it one more time. When you walked away from an altar of matrimony, you were no more a wife or no more a husband than an astronaut. You had the title, but you had to learn how to become those things. When you got the, when you got the title mother or father, you weren't a mother or a father. You were just a mother and father in title. Now you have the privilege to become that day by day by day. And so we're on a journey and a part of that journey is making sure that our heart is right. I know you're standing, but I want to uh, say, say this. Maybe you're familiar with this. I don't really know enough about this to maybe even use this as an illustration. But someone was uh, talking to us a few weeks ago. We were out of town, and uh, uh, there was some kind of uh, treatment that you could take, uh, some, some, something you could soak your feet in that would kind of extract things from your body that shouldn't be there. And uh, maybe some of you are familiar, see a few heads nodding, and, and they tell me that, that when you're finished with that process, that the water would just be completely black, or, or at least dirty. And uh, those were things that were there we didn't even know. And so today, I'm gonna ask you to take off your shoes And we're going to dip our feet into the word of God. And uh, he said, well, I just got out of the shower a few minutes ago. Well, that's all right. Because we need to dip our feet into the pool of God's truth. 
and then realize there may be some things there that we didn't even know. And uh, let's let the Spirit of the Lord touch our hearts. The book of Mark, chapter 11, and verse number 24. I was just teasing about your shoes. Please put them back on. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, the Bible didn't say clear your voice and sound as religious and righteous and holy as you possibly can, but he said when you stand to pray, forgive, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you and your trespasses because we are quick to point out everybody else's faults not realizing that we have some of our own and then here is the great contingency in verse 26 but if you do not forgive neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses and so this is pretty heavy hitting today I'm going to be very straightforward and for the remainder of our study, we have several more lessons, but for the remainder of our study, I want to turn our attention from this point forward to two different things. We're going to talk about the consequences of refusing to let go of offenses. We're going to talk about the consequences of that, and we're also going to talk about how to get free from that. And so that's not all going to be covered today. As a matter of fact, today I'm going to break it up and do... Our first and second, I'll finish up in our second service so that I don't try to just shoehorn everything into a few minutes. And, uh, but for the remainder of our study, we're going to talk about what happens to us when we refuse to let go. So if you don't want to let go, you don't have to. But we're going to talk about the consequences of the price that's going to come with that. And then we're going to talk about not just a bunch of things that frustrate us, but we're also going to talk about how to free ourselves from that. And so we want to be sure to Stay tuned. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. I'm asking you to help us, Lord, to make this journey and not just to mark miles behind us, but I pray that we will make this journey with a great measure of success. Strengthen us by the power of the Holy Ghost today to speak your word, and then I pray that you'll strengthen us as well to receive your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I, I think one of the things that we must first place on the table as an undeniable and irrevocable central truth, um, as long as I can remember in our home, our table has always had a centerpiece of some sort. It changes quite often, but we have a centerpiece of some sort. And so the centerpiece of what we want to talk about today is this. Jesus really means what he says. And uh, I know that that idea is almost watered down in our opinion. But Jesus meant what he said when he said, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And so we live, because we live in a culture today where 
where people don't always mean what they say, and I'm not here to pick on any one segment of people, but there's a lot of, we're surrounded by a lot of nonsense in our world. A lot of people make promises, and there's absolutely nothing to it. It's just what we need to say at the moment to get out of that sort of thing. And, and uh, we live in a culture that just seems to uh, fertilize that and, and stimulate that. We're, that is, that's okay. It's okay for people to make all kind of promises and then not follow through on anyone and no one hold them accountable for that. That's just the, I, the, I, the, uh, the idea of man in this world that we just say whatever we need to say for the moment and that is supposed to fix everything. And so as, as an end result of that, we really don't take to heart a lot of things that are said to us. We kind of, you ever heard people say this? Well, you'd probably need to take that with a grain of salt. And that means you know, they probably don't mean what they said and they're probably not gonna follow through with that and, and, and on and on and on. There was a day, of course, when a man's word or a woman's word, a person's word was as good as anything there was. And a handshake would seal multi-million dollar deals because it were just men of integrity and women of integrity. And if, if someone said it, they live by that creed, no matter what. I think probably one of the most stunning examples in the Bible is uh, the man in the scripture that said uh, to the Lord, he said, he said, whatever, because of this great victory, he said, the next thing that walks in the door, I'll give that to you. Not understanding that his daughter was gonna be the next thing that walked through the door. And yet he was a man of his word. That seems so extreme, doesn't it? But look where we are today, the other side of that coin, which we explain everything away. Oh, well, I didn't know. Well, I, and then because of that, uh, a person's word is not taken very seriously. I think some of this could begin as far back as childhood because a lot of parents say to their children, if you do that again, and children who hear that threat with no follow-up of consequences soon begin to realize that I don't have to pay attention to that. That's just mom blowing steam. That's just, that's just how dad responds. There's no real consequences for our actions. And so following each episode, there's that same warning and most generally no real action is taken. And because of that, children not only view what parents say as not having any real value or real, any real meaning, but remember that our teaching begins in the home. And so a parents, parents are the, they're the very first authority figures that they meet in their life. And so when parents don't mean what they say, then children have no reason to believe any other authority figure in their life. And we have taken a lot of punishment out of our system. I'm not talking about abuse, and I would hope I wouldn't even have to insert that. But I'm, I'm certainly not talking about abuse, but we send our children, our little Johnnies and Susies, off to a school and tell them, now you teach them and train them, but don't you correct them. And so because of that, men and women who are there to teach them, you've got the tail wagging the dog. And they take no value. They have no value in something that is being spoken because the word just means nothing. And so consequently, 
we get very, very confused about when and if they should, children get very confused about when and if they should take uh, authority figures serious. And so these things then begin to bleed over into our spirit life. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that I would want this to happen, but just as an illustration, you know, if, if we had a little Ananias and Sapphira scenario play out before us today, we'd probably be pretty sober when we left here. Is this how it was, Ananias? Absolutely. Boom. Sapphira, what's your take on that? That's how it was. Amen. There'd probably be a whole lot of truth telling in the house, wouldn't you think? It's very quiet. You're kind of watching me, wondering where are we going with this today? What I'm saying is that our attitude gets projected upon others, and then we bring all of that into our walk with God. And we think sometimes that the Lord doesn't really mean what he's gonna say. And so as a end result of that, we are raising a generation that view any authority figure, whether that's teachers or friends or leaders or their employees or whatever, whatever the frame of reference, by the time they get into adulthood, they have, they have drawn the conclusion that this is just norm. This is just how it's done. You, you can just say whatever you wanna say. And so uh, their conversations now consist of promises and or statements in which they say things that they really don't mean. They really don't mean. But when Jesus speaks, and that's back to the centerpiece, when Jesus says something, he really, really, really means it. Amen. And so we can't view what he says the way we view what other people say and, and just think, well, you know, that, that, that's, just, that's just Jesus. Amen. We've got to realize who is saying what. It's not just what is being said, but it's who is saying it. And so when Jesus says something, he means it and he is faithful to his word even when we are not because the Lord walks at a level of truth and a, le a level of integrity that transcends our culture and our society, our, our way of thinking. And to take that one step further, he doesn't say this just one time in the gospels, but many times he emphasizes the importance of this very powerful and pointed warning. So I wanna look at a few other statements that it's, that's made on different occasions by the same author. And let's look at the central theme here found in Matthew 6 and 14. The Bible says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, all contingent upon that powerful, small, two-letter word, if, if, if. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So here is the act of forgiveness in all reality that is being placed more so in our hands or in our control than it is in the hands of the Lord because it's not really a question of whether or not the Lord will forgive. There's only one unpardonable sin, and so it's not really a question as to whether or not the Lord will forgive because he talks about a broken and contrite spirit that he would not turn away. He will not ignore someone that comes before him broken. So it's not a matter of whether or not the Lord will forgive us. It is a matter of whether or not we are gonna forgive others because forgiveness has to flow through us. Amen. Luke 6 and 37, 
Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and it, and ye shall be forgiven. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Again, one more scripture found in the Lord's Prayer. We say this a lot, but do we really comprehend it? Matthew 6 and 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or by the same token or with the same spirit, just in the same manner that we forgive our debtors, then we're asking you to forgive us of our debts. And so if we just squeak out forgiveness, then we're saying, Lord, I'm giving you permission just to squeak forgiveness out to me. <laughs> Amen. I didn't think it would be a running and jumping service. But because the spirit of unforgiveness is so rampant in the church today, because it is so rampant, we don't take the words of God serious. Because we've got our little pet ills and issues and we're gonna nurse them all the way to the end because we've been wronged, bless God. And so if I give this up, then I may have to straighten up. If I give up my excuse and my reasons for acting out, I might have to grow up and actually contribute something to this thing called the kingdom. But as long as I can keep an excuse, amen. <laughs> I, I just had a, a, a mental image of many, many years ago, we weren't much like today allowed to take anything to drink into the on the campground in the tabernacle. And I can remember my wife and I have talked about this in recent days, how that some of those old mean boys had slipped drinks in their pocket with a straw and they just had the straws. <laughs> so made sure, just made sure they had something. They were gonna nurse that and keep that the whole way. Just make sure that it's all right. I, I know it's against the rules, but I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna take care and, and so many times we've got issues in our heart that we are aware of. And those hurts and those ills and those wrongs, I'm not here to say today that you're just, they're figments of your imagination. I'm, I'm not here talking about that. I'm talking about real ills, real wrong. And they have become a bat in our hand or an ax in our hand that gives us an excuse I can feel how I feel because I've been done wrong. And if I lay this down, that means I'm just gonna have to get in line with the rest of the army and march like all the other soldiers. So I wanna be on the sideline and I wanna nurse this and keep this alive as, po as long as I possibly can. Amen. You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, I've got a bad temper because, I don't know why I'm saying this again, but I gotta, maybe it's the Lord. I don't know, I got a bad temper here, and, and, but that's just how our family is. That doesn't hold an ounce of water because you can't say that and tell people you've been born again. You can't have it both ways. You, you, you can't say, well, you know, that's just how we are. 
because we're the Smiths or we're the Jones or the Wooten Diddles or whoever. That's just how we are. And then say, but I've been born again of the water and of the spirit. If we've been born again, then we've been born again. <laughs> and now we have the nature of Christ. And that doesn't mean that we may not have had those issues in our past and it's not something that we may have to deal with. But you know what? You gotta deal with it. You can't just say, well, this is my little pacifier and when things go wrong, I'm just free to do and say and act ever how I wanna say because, you know, that's just how we are. No, no, a thousand times no. And so the way we for the way we forgive another person is the way we will be forgiven. It's because there is so much unforgiveness in the church, the body of Christ, because there's so much unforgiveness, we don't really wanna take this serious. So that's why you're not shouting this morning. That's exactly right. If I was up here talking about David and Goliath and how that even when we're small, we can defeat things that are larger than us. There would be rampant amens. I've preached too many times behind this pulpit not to be convinced what I'm saying right now is true. But because there are real swords in your hands today, some of them, we got, you got them stuck under your leg right now because we're talking about it. So, ooh, I didn't know that's what we was gonna do today. You're hiding them under the pew and trying to cram them in the songbook rack. And it's quiet as a funeral. But that's all right. That's all right. We're doing surgery here today. As we forgive, that's how forgiveness comes into our life. And so no matter how many times you say, but brother Boyd, you don't understand, I'm gonna say, but brother, you don't understand that this is not an option. We're not talking about that we'll do this when we get around to it. I need forgiveness every day of my life. And so if I need forgiveness every day of my life, I have to deal with forgiveness. I've got to. This is not, this is not something that's optional. And so we're going to Matthew 18 and we're gonna talk about an unforgiving servant here and, uh, and uh, maybe we can find ourselves here. Matthew 18, Jesus shares a lesson on the bondage of unforgiveness and the bondage of the spirit of offense he was teaching his disciples how to reconcile or how to be reconciled with a brother who has offended them. And uh, we're gonna talk about reconciliation in a different lesson, but, uh, but this is nevertheless what Jesus is dealing with. And so in, in Matthew 18, 21, and I, I talked about this a few Wednesday nights ago, Peter asked the Lord, how often should, uh, should, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And so, Simon Peter is always sort of the spokesman and kind of out there, and so he throws out what I'm sure he thinks is a, an enormous figure, and he says, should I forgive him up to seven times in a day? Can't you just see him fold his religious arms and smile and think, well, I got that covered. How many times should I forgive him? And so he was fairly shocked, I'm sure, at the reply when Jesus said that I don't just say up to seven times, but I tell you up to 70 times seven. Now, wait a minute. It's all right down here where we live, aren't we? Aren't you thankful I'm not sitting beside you today? 
Aren't you thankful for this little bit of distance? 70 times, seven. I mean, come on. And it is a point. In other words, forgive as the Lord forgives. I wonder how many times the Lord has forgiven me. I wonder how many times the Lord has forgiven me of the same thing. Amen. And I said, Lord, I thought I had a handle on this. I, I would have declared that yesterday I had a grip on this and yet I found myself again and I need you to touch me one more time and I, I haven't found the Lord standing there to condemn and to crush me and try to, try to just annihilate me but I have, forg- I have found a forgiving hand of the Lord and so I've needed the Lord to forgive me. I've needed him to touch me and so don't sit there and try to figure out what you think I might be doing wrong. I'm asking you today to look in your heart. I'm looking in mine and saying, Lord, if I need forgiveness multiple times a day, then I need to know one thing. I gotta make sure that the conduit through which forgiveness flows through is free and clear. I've got to make sure there's no obstructions. I've got to make sure because I need forgiveness. The Bible says in a parable, 1823, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon one, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. To understand really the fullness of what Jesus is saying, we need to know that the word talent there in this particular case is, is, is being used as a unit of measure It was used to measure different things, gold, silver, and other metals or whatever different kind of commodities. But in this particular parable, the word talent here represents a debt. So we can be safe in assuming that he was referring to some unit of exchange, whether that was gold or silver or bronze. But for the sake of illustration, I just wanted to use gold. And so the the common talent was equivalent to approximately 75 pounds as much as 110 pounds. But I didn't want to sound evangelistically today, so I'm just going to go back to the lowest figure I could find and we'll just deal with that, 75 pounds. And so, for the, so, so if we're looking at 75 pounds, 10,000 talents would be approximately 750,000 pounds of gold. And so... At this present time, as of this morning at least, the present time, the price of gold is roughly $1,470 an ounce. So without getting into all these figures and just boring you to tears, sure enough, we can safely say that this man owed the king in our currency billions of dollars. Or let's, let's go back and link ourselves with what the songwriter says. He owed a debt he could not pay. And so if we were to owe someone billions of dollars, we're very safe to say that would be a debt that we just could not pay. And so Jesus emphasized this in Matthew 18, 25, but for as much as he had not to pay, or in other words, in in so much that he was not able in any way to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. What an 
a statement of impossibility. But verse 27 says, even in light of an impossibility, the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him all the debt. Just forgave him the debt, the sum total. Now let's look at how this parable applies to being offended because when an offense occurs, now we have incurred a debt. Amen. Because I'm just gonna use language we use so that we can find ourselves in this. How many have ever, I won't just say have you said this, but how many have ever heard people say they're gonna pay for this? And we can't hardly wait till they pay. So when we say that, that means that we must feel that they have incurred a debt because they have offended. (laughs) So forgiveness is like the cancellation of a debt. My favorite part of owning anything is owning it. May not be much, but it's mine. Stamped, paid in full. What a refreshing feeling that is to know that the debt has now been paid. And so the king in this illustration represents the Lord who forgave a servant of a debt that in all reality was impossible for him to pay. The Bible says in Colossians, we must never forget things like this. Paul said in chapter two, verses 13 and 14, and you being dead in your sins and uncircumcised in your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. We had some charges filed against us, but he said we're gonna blot that out because that was contrary to us. That was something that we owed, something that was against us, a mark against us. So he said, we're gonna blot that out. We're gonna blot out the handwriting of the ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. Now watch this. That would have been enough to put a period in the sentence right there. We just put it out of the way. But he said, nailing it to his cross. Wow, that ought to humble us. That ought to, a surge of humility ought to flow over us to realize that we had some handwritings of ordinances against us. We had some, some charges filed against us, by the way, of which we were guilty. This is not false accusations. These are not trumped up charges. Nobody's trying to railroad us into some crooked system. But these are legitimate charges, but they've been blotted out They were contrary to us. They were not in our best interest. But he took it out of the way and then he said, as one more sign and token of just what we're gonna do with all this that's contrary, we're gonna nail that to my cross. And so our our sins were nailed to his cross. He that knew no sin became sin. Amen, he didn't know sin, but he nailed sin to the cross. 
I'm thankful for that. We were unable to pay the sin debt that we owed. I, I remember I, w- I was raised in church, and so I, I grew up hearing all the, the church vernacular, you know, just, uh, just asking the Lord to forgive you of your sins. And I can remember as a young man trying to ask the Lord to forgive me of my sins. And I was a young man. And so just by sheer years, I didn't have a lot of time to get into a lot of trouble. But I can still remember trying to name my sins. And I can remember the frustration, and maybe that was just my childlike faith of just trying to think about all the things that I had done wrong up to that point in my life. And I just remember being overwhelmed because there was no way I could remember all the things that I had done. So now, I am 50 years old plus, and so how would I ever try to recall five decades of, of, of things that were done wrong? I could, there's no way, but I'm thankful that I am able to, to ask the Lord to take this, take control of this, amen, not in some general way, but to brokenheartedly and to, with a contrite spirit, because here's one thing we know. This knows the thoughts and the desires, the intent of our heart. And so I can't lie to this. I can lie to you. I can lie to them. I can lie to them. But I can't lie to him because the Lord knows the thought and the intent of my heart. And so when I just get before the Lord and I say, Lord, I don't even know how to put all this into words. My vocabulary is falling short. And I know that I owe a debt I cannot pay. I cannot pay. But the forgiveness comes. There's no way I could have ever repaid what I owed. And so that offense, that offense is overwhelming, overwhelming. So the Lord forgave us of our sins and then gave us salvation as a gift. He paid that debt that was against us. And so we see the parallel now between the servant's relationship to his king and our relationship to the Lord. So we've been forgiven for so much. But let me pause here. I may mention this again, but let me pause here to just say this, one of the most dangerous things that can ever happen in our life is for us to form the opinion that we weren't really that bad. You know, some people here, they've got a pretty racy testimony. I mean, they, they've been brought from a long way and some people were just lost and, 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 uh, and you know, that's how we categorize. They were just lost. Have you ever thought about that? If you're lost, you're lost. No, no, it doesn't matter how long the plane's been gone from the pushback from the terminal. If it's gone, it's gone. It doesn't matter if it's been gone three days or three minutes. If you missed it, you missed it. And so sometimes people that don't have a lot of baggage in their life can start looking around at others and thinking, well, I wasn't too bad. And I'm, I'm, I'm all right. And, and if we're not careful, that can elevate us to a place that we're not humiliated I hope you will receive this, that word in the spirit that I'm saying it in, that we're not humiliated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I, I want to be humbled in his presence. I, I don't want to feel like I belong here. This is, I, you know, he ought to be thankful that I showed up here today. I, I'm going to tell you that if, that if I dropped off the scene and if you dropped off the scene, the church is just going to keep marching on and never in your life would you have felt more insignificant. I mean, I'm not trying to demoralize anybody here today, but what I am trying to do is wake us up and help us realize that we all need forgiveness. We've all been done wrong. You ready for this? We've all done wrong. We've treated people wrong. We've, we've said things we shouldn't say. We, 
you, 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 may have, you may have a deeper scar than somebody else and maybe you haven't inflicted pain as deeply as someone else, but that's, that's not the point. How many stitches were required is not the point. At this moment, we're talking about that we've had wounds inflicted to us, but we've also inflicted wounds. Amen. And so we've got to be very careful. Watch what happens. I know you're familiar with the story, or, or many are, Matthew 18, 28. But the same servant went out and found one of, this, the same man who was just forgiven, went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence and laid hands on him, took him by the throat, <laughs> saying, pay me that thou owest. Some sources say that a hundred pence would be as, worth as little as $10 against billions that he was forgiven, so you get the point. Now continue to read. This servant, the fellow servant, falls down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because he had just uttered the same words before and he would not and went out and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Can I just put it in real terminology? We were lost and headed to hell. If you really think you were. And someone paid a debt that they did not owe. And I owed a debt I could not pay. And I was forgiven. And now someone has wronged me. And I say, but this is different. Because we don't hear enough preaching, and I'll, I'll apologize about this now. We don't hear enough preaching about our sins crucifying the Lord afresh. Because we think when we sin, we just kind of affect our lives and we just affect maybe those around us, but we crucify him afresh. Am I in the book? Amen. And so we, we just think you know, we touch this and because we didn't have that Ananias and Sapphira moment, they were things all right. That's not how it works. Because you can't do wrong and get by somewhere that will slow walk us down if we don't get it taken care of. And so... I've got to be very, very careful that, that I don't fall in this trap. One of the things that came to mind when I was studying this this week is how the Bible says that he owed him this money and so he says, because you owe me this money, I'm gonna put you in prison until you pay it. So let me ask you a question. If he puts him in prison, how is he gonna pay the debt? So I'll tell you, and I know this kind of sounds pretty common even in our day, right? So the bottom line is, the, is what's happening here is the same thing that happens in our current day. The burden of payment gets extended to people who are not even guilty. And so now you've got friends or family members paying a debt that they had nothing to do with. <laughs> and so our unwillingness, I said that to say this, to forgive someone 
may well be projected into and onto the lives of other people. Because we are in a position, now our debt has been pushed out into the life and on the lives of, of other people. And so uh, maybe it was someone who bore no guilt and or even responsibility, and that's just food for thought. You just think about that. But, but I'll tell you that sometimes our unforgiving spirit it can be projected, I'll just use parents as an illustration, but our unforgiving spirit towards somebody, our attitude, our feelings may get projected onto the lives of our children who had nothing to do with it. And after a while, after a while, they're having to deal with issues because now they've got problems in the lives of other people. And where did all this stem? It was all born because we would not forgive and say, we're gonna have to do the right thing. We're gonna have to do the right thing. Now, again, as we get on in this, we're gonna talk about how, the how-tos to do some of this, and I I wanna go ahead and get this out of the way. I understand that if I walk across the woods and I get bit by a snake, the next time I walk across the woods, I'm gonna be a little more leery. I'm gonna be a little more careful. I'm not at all suggesting that because we've been born again of the water and the spirit that we need to be a doormat or that we need to be gullible. Amen? I'm not gonna keep walking into the same thing again and again and again, but I, I got to forgive that situation and I got, I, even though I may have to distance myself from it, I've gotta get my heart clean and I've gotta forgive it, cut ties, I've gotta wash my hands and make sure there's no awe in my heart. Amen, so I've, I must forgive. Well, what, what if they don't forgive me? That's on them. That's on them because I'm not gonna have to stand in judgment for them. So their unforgiving spirit is gonna affect how the Lord forgives them. That's all them. But what I've gotta do is deal with me. I I love my wife and son and daughter-in-law, but I don't have to answer for them. I've gotta stand before the Lord and I've gotta answer for me. And so if someone won't forgive me, I've got to forgive them because I must not circumvent forgiveness in my own life. And I said this a few weeks ago, but when you let them off the hook, you actually let yourself off the hook. It feels so good not to have to deal with that, not to have to hear that name and something just twist in your gut, not to have to hear that, be reminded of that scenario or that time period and and something just turn in your spirit. It just feels so good to just rise above that. Amen. And so we don't wanna project something onto someone else. And so as we look back at this parable, we have to come to this realization that someone else may have treated us unfairly, but that does not compare to our transgressions against the Lord. (laughs) The reason we can hold on to the sword is because we think we've done no wrong. So we hold on to the sword. And maybe you haven't treated John wrong and maybe you haven't treated Sally wrong but what about Jesus have we offended the Lord and so a person who cannot forgive has forgotten the great debt for which they were forgiven when you, when you realize that Jesus delivered you from eternal death how many people believe in hell amen And so when we believe in eternal death, 
then we have to realize that the Lord delivered me from that. And that has to be worse than anything I could experience here in this life. And so I've got to release others. I've got to release others and I have to do that without condition. And and again, we're going to talk about that. And, And these are not just teasers. I'm really serious. We can't talk about it all at one time. We're going to talk about that later in this series. There's nothing worse than eternity in what the Bible calls a lake of fire. We can't comprehend that. So I can appreciate the fact nobody's passing out here. We can't even comprehend that. But there's nothing worse than that. Where there is no relief, the scripture says, and the worm dieth not, neither is the fire quenched. And so that was our destination until God forgave us of our sins. Amen, why don't we stand? If you have a real hard time forgiving, and I wanna just pause here and say this. I I know that, that there are different personalities among us, us human beings, not just us as a church. And, and some people, they're just real tender and, and they just really don't struggle all that much with forgiving people. That's just their makeup. And so that's probably the first person in a relationship, whether that's a husband or wife or friends or whatever, that's gonna be the one to speak up and say, I'm sorry. And let's just move on while that other person is still sitting there (laughs) totally unaffected by that apology. (laughs) Well, I was just gonna dismiss, but I think we may need to pray. There's those different makeups. So I get that, that this is a much larger mountain for some people than others. And I realize as well that offenses that just kind of affect us, me, that's kind of one thing. But offenses that kind of affect my family, my friends, my integrity, there's kind of depths to all of that. And so that gets a little bit harder to get our hands around but I am going back to the scripture that says our model of prayer is forgive me of my debts as, 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 as. I forgive the debtors. And so if Brother Jerry does me wrong and I'm gonna make him pay that debt off a penny at a time, I want him to squirm in my presence. I want him to be uncomfortable every time I walk in the room. I can do that because I'm 21. I'm grown. I can make my own decisions. But I need to understand that the Lord is watching. He said, oh, you gave him two cents today. Great, two cents. You gave him a nickel today. Oh, you're generous. I'll give you a nickel today. Because I prayed 
forgive me as I forgive others. And so the, the control is in our hand. Amen. We'll pick this up in just a few moments. Can we raise our hands and love the Lord? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.